It's April the 24th, 2013. This is 508, a show about Worcester. Today on the show, myself, Michael Benedetti, I'm wearing this amazing red coat. Not because I am necessarily opposed to slots in Worcester. This is, though, the symbol of being opposed to slots in Worcester, wearing red to a public meeting. It's happened twice this week. It's happening, actually, as we're doing this show. So anything we say about the slot machine stuff on this show could become outdated very quickly. Say la vie. Brendan Mellican also on the show today. Thoroughly impressed with that coat. Wearing white, purple, and gold. I a symbol of, uh, myself. I don't know yeah. what. Yeah. How's it going, man? It's going okay. How are you doing? I'm not bad. I feel as though I should be sitting down, but I'm going to be awkward. We're, we're, just, gonna stand, we're just standing here outside on a roof because we can't be at Cook's Pond today. Although the weather has become beautiful this week. It's gorgeous. Worcester. Well, today. Yesterday was miserable. It was spring. And it does, though. That's how it goes. But shaking. <sighs> I think we should talk about casinos. I think we should probably talk about... Handlers. We should also talk about the city council. This see, I don't like. I don't like these episodes where we talk so much about the city council because the city council frustrates me, and I know that it shouldn't frustrate me because the city councilors are nice people and they don't really have a lot of effect on what's going on in the city either. But it still frustrates me as a topic. But we still have to talk about it because it's slots. It's slot casinos in Worcester. It's a slot casino in Worcester, and it's, at this point, it's still like in the whole city council, city manager. Realm, what's it's going probably on. a backhanded compliment in a way, but they don't give us a lot to talk about on the city council. They kind of give us a lot of things to theorize about and, uh, you know, talk about because they're not. But, yeah. There it is. So this week, Brendan, there was a big city council meeting. So I heard. It was great. I was there. There was a ton of people. There were, like, literally 60 people who could not sit down who were standing in the hall. It was mm-hmm. so super packed. A lot of people were in red. A lot of people with these no slots, no slots signs. Now, that looked really good, by the way. The signs. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're nice-looking signs. We yeah. can, we're going we're gonna to talk about that later, because as usual, we're going to do a, a deep read of the text of a sign on the show. But um, I think it was an interesting meeting. First of all, because it started off with people filing formal petitions complaining about possible open meeting law violations by the city council. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the city council basically put out this weird statement saying, like, all the city councils but one want the city manager to negotiate with uh, these guys, what is they called, Rush Gaming? Uh, Rush Street Gaming. Neil Rush Blue. Street Gaming. And despite their name, they have nothing to do with Magic the Gathering, nothing to do with Settlers of Catan, and nothing to do with Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Already I hate them, because they're big liars. They're actually Rush Street Gambling, would be a more accurate way to call them. So the Rush Street Gambling guys uh, would, like to, would like to be able to put a slot machine facility in the city of Worcester. This is a thing, as Brendan has explained on the show before, where like it's like the people of the city get to vote on an agreement that the city manager negotiates with them, and also the state gaming commission, also buying into this weird propaganda yes. term, gaming. No, the they're state, gambling. The state gambling commission. Yeah, they're ga- I think they're the gambling well, Maybe it is the gaming They're probably are gambling, the I, gaming commission. I hope they're not the gaming commission. I want... Yeah. You know, every time a city councilor says gaming, I just think like... They're not paying you. You're waiting for. They've all gone on record as saying they're not being bribed. So why are they? You're using waiting that for word? Bill Eddie to surprise you and wheel out the Call of Duty, uh, you know, carts with like Call of Duty consoles and whatnot. Exactly. It never happens. I want to see somebody. Fair. I want to see somebody with 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 the twenty sided dice at the city council meeting, and then yeah. we can start talking about gaming. Anyway, or at least some some anyway. A normal die would be. Nice. Uh, any kind of die. Anyway, um, some graph paper. You know what I'm talking. <laughs> you know what I'm talking. About. Some character sheets. Keeping it old school. You know, these city councils are no spring chickens. Anyway. It's a deal where, like, the, the state commission and the city voters of the city of Worcester have to both agree that, like, the deal that the city manager strikes with the gambling guys 
is a good deal, and then Worcester would get to have the one and only slot machine casino in the state of Massachusetts. Yes. And there are other, other communities that are also vying for the same. Um, Plainville, Raynham, yes. uh, both those communities have uh, tracks, so they would be essentially converting uh, dog tracks or horse tracks uh, type <coughs> race tracks into uh, a larger gambling facility, yes. like a gambling, not gaming. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know what the, the fourth one is. And, but then there's also something interesting too, where even though there's one, only one uh, slot parlor going to be awarded, there's actually a second round of um, applications uh, that will be coming through it, it, sometime early summer. Oh, really? So I'm not sure if that changes how many cities could be uh, potentially awarded that one uh, but there would slot still be for one. a slot. Yes. Okay, so just to recap, there was this <clears throat> whole thing where the city council was going to potentially be able to say to the city manager, just don't even negotiate at all, which might just short circuit this whole process yep. and there would be no casino. Some of the city councilors seemed to think that they couldn't tell the city manager to do this. Mm -hmm. Which turned out to be false. Which turned out to be false. <laughs> but anyway, they put out this statement saying, everybody but one of us thinks the city manager should do this. They mm -hmm. didn't put out the statement in the context, I don't think of a city council meeting. So it was not clear if putting out this statement was like some sort of illegal back backroom collusion kind of deal that we call open meeting law violation. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but the interesting thing was that the beginning of the city council meeting was a ton of people standing up and basically being like, you guys are violating open meeting law. And the city council just got super angry. Like Connie Lukes, who was the one who actually, I think, she said something like she co-signed one of the petitions or something. Um, well, it, she I, has I her own. Connor was actually petition? one of the people who actually had um, uh, put in a complaint, or at least yeah. in, in, insinuated that she was going to put in a complaint with the attorney general's office yeah. to charge the her own body with uh, an open meeting law violation. Yes. So, so yeah. I'm, you know what? I got a great name, Maverick City Councilor Constantina Luce, because that's exactly defines what she does, <laughs> for good or for bad. Maverick City Councilor Constantina <clears throat> Luce also stood up and was like. You people are all bad. You people violate open meeting law. You should be ashamed of yourself. All she did a great job, by mm -hmm. the way. And then, like all the other city councilors, are all mad. Rick Rushton, who I complained on this show many times for not being able to say three words in a row that make sense, stood up and made a coherent argument—not a convincing one to me, but a coherent argument. I'll tell you what convinced me. The mayor stood up. He said that they may have gotten close to crossing the line. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the telegram today. I hope that there was a headline which said Worcester Mayor. Council, quote, may have gotten close to crossing the line, unquote, of violating meeting regulations. Yeah. But they probably didn't quote that. Anyway, didn't see that. his weaseliness made me think, maybe they actually know that they violated this. But then George Russell stood up and he was like, we didn't do anything wrong. There was a lot of, like, inspired oratory from the city council. Starts off with all the city councilors super frustrated at being called a bunch of crooks. Which is a great way to start a public meeting, A right? great way to start a public Get meeting. Get the target audience really angry at you. Then you got another, a couple of other little things going on in there. Then, uh, there's actually, there was actually a, a proclamation about the Armenian Genocide. There were a lot of other things going on at the early part of the city council meeting. But I think that this thing got people's blood boiling. Then people stand up over and over again, making some people making impassioned statements, some people making really nervous, angry statements full of facts and references, which and mentions of James Madison, which I think is the worst possible or kind of oratory to try. And I think that the city council is already like even getting more upset and more frustrated. Um, and so, like as the meeting went on, there were fewer and fewer people standing around. But interestingly, at some point. 
maybe an hour into the time I was there, like a couple of cops, like three cops just show up out of nowhere. Apparently by the end of the meeting, seven cops had showed up. Like the, the city councilors were really, really concerned that like somehow there was going to be a melee. <laughs> just like Speaking Occupy of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Like Occupy Worcester all over again. I, like, and I have to say, like at least, at least as of the time that three cops had showed up, there was zero sign that there was going to be any problem. Like mm. people were angry and people were occasionally booing or something. Yeah. But like... Nothing was being thrown. Nobody was no disrupting threats. the meeting. Yeah. I, like, what? I mean, honestly, what is the number one thing week in and week out that prevents the people of the city of Worcester from understanding the thoughts and opinions of the city councilors at the city council meeting? The city council itself. It's the city council. It's the yeah. bad rhetoric of the city council. <laughs> you know, I, I was hoping that maybe the police were there for open meeting law. Maybe to arrest I think, somebody. <laughs> I think arresting a councilor at the meeting is pushing it way too far, especially because yeah. nobody has been convicted of anything. I mean, I think that that's going to work through its own process. Anyway, I just think that, that, that that's amazing. That, you know, so the city council was like super freaked out by this whole situation. So as far as making an impact and as far as giving lots of speeches, the no slots movement so far, you know, being very powerful, being very persuasive, being yeah. very effective. Uh, tonight we're having, tonight there's another, there's another, uh, a uh, public hearing. Oh, I was, we should say at the end of this, at the end of this, uh, Councilors Sarai Rivera and Councilors Constantina Lukes said that for whatever reasons they have a lot of concerns with this idea. They don't want the city council, the, the city manager, to negotiate with Rush Street to come with a deal. They just want to cut the whole thing off. None of the other councilors said we want it to happen. Sure. So it's going to happen tonight. There's another public meeting. I'm not sure what's the purpose of this public meetings at this point. Um, this one I don't know. Is this just a regular meeting of economic development? I'm not think entirely so. sure. It yeah. could be though. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's just for the economic development side of things to actually discuss further what their uh, what their uh, wishes would be with a mitigation package. Are they going to instruct the manager on the mitigation package? You know, I, I think that just is something that just becomes a conversation, and, and to some extent, there's no reason why you or I or anybody else couldn't whisper in the manager's ear and say, "Hey, these are the things that sure. we would like to see." Sure. To be honest, I think in a way, to be fair to, to both sides, if that's possible, I think that's where things kind of went off the rails initially. Was that very first meeting that took place down on Green Street? Uh, I think it was Green Street. Um, that was yeah, it was a, club. and that was uh, intended to be a listening session for people to uh, articulate what they would like to see in a mitigation package, mm-hmm. not to voice their concerns with slots overall. And I think okay. those messages and streams kind of got uh, crossed, yeah. where you ended up having the members of the council who were heading that group rather frustrated that they were sharing a meeting that was supposed to be about what would you like to see in a mitigation package, not mm-hmm. a meeting about what do you feel about slots. We would like to see nothing in a mitigation package. How yeah, about that, City Council? You know, and that's something that the city can totally do, too. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the manager could, could very easily say, you know what, we don't want anything. We just want to see what the voters, how the voters actually feel about slots and just slots. But that would probably be missing a boat as well. I mean, last time you and I were together, we were discussing the idea that, you know, all businesses go out of business eventually. Right. Does a 400,000 square foot empty building in Kelly Square actually provide more value than a 14 acre hole in the ground? Yeah. Uh, some would probably argue uh, no, that you know a building, an empty building the size of an IKEA isn't actually a, a boon to the city. So you know, I mean, it, hopefully there are conversations like how do we deal with that? Like forget, I think the easy stuff that people are going to be talking about is you know money for law enforcement, money right. for our schools, whatever the case may be street and sidewalk type, type stuff but there's also the big picture things that we need to be thinking about too that geez what if this place goes out of business I mean there's yeah. probably room for talk for like you know an escrow account uh, from the 
gaming company to ensure that we have some development capital available should they actually go out of business. Yes. But those are the things that I think the, the council is really focused on while the... Is the council actually focused on those things? I think that's what they're interested in. Okay. I, I, and I, I, again, I can't speak for them, but it seems as though there is some genuine interest in seeing like what is actually going to be put on the table that we can either say, that's a pretty awesome deal, mm -hmm. uh, let's take that to the voters, right. as opposed to just cutting it off immediately, which they could also completely do. But again, that the legislation around gaming was kind of written uh, specifically so they didn't have to put themselves in the middle of it. It really ends up becoming a, a, a deal between the voters and the gaming company itself. There's lots of wind Gambling out here. company, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's lots of wind out here. Such as, such as spring in Worcester. Um, yes, I don't know. So even though I'm wearing this red jacket, like I have to say, like I still have a lot of curiosity. Like I don't like this giant hole in the ground. Um, I don't like the idea of, particularly of there being a slot machine facility yeah. in Worcester. On the other hand, like, I don't know, like, as to just as far as getting into close reading of signs, I really like the look of the No Slots Worcester Yard sign, which I think there's one down the street here. We could walk it's down very, and look at uh, it. It's very easy to read. It's a, ra it's a great sign. Pleasing. I think that, um, do you want to walk down and look at it? Is there one over there? I yeah. can see one yeah. down the street. Let's, let's just, we're going to go run down the street and look at this sign. Um, yeah, so we're going to go look at this sign, but let's, let's just talk about the, uh, I, you know, I should say, like, um, I don't know, I feel like I want to do some sort of, some sort of uh, uh, mea culpas, some more on this show, things I've been wrong about. One thing I've been totally been wrong about is the other day I sort of began to give the beginnings of some sort of libertarian argument for why there should be a slot machine casino in Worcester. And, um, like, honestly, I don't think that this is really a libertarian issue because this is like a weird, there's like no free market stuff going on here. This isn't about the right of people to open businesses in Worcester. This no, is about I mean, if like you one to make uh, some argument that uh, we were all going to be able to install a slot machine in our living room and thereby uh, make some revenue from friends and family to pay our taxes. That would be pretty libertine. But uh, the idea that you've actually created a state commission uh, to oversee and apply uh, a set of laws that uh, strictly regulate a uh, industry that is closed to newcomers once development uh, is decided upon. It's probably the exact the antithesis of a libertarian argument. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I think we've talked about this in the past. Where I mean, my ideal world when it comes to gambling would be start small and start like taking things like bookmaking above ground and bring it from the black market into the gray, at least the gray and you know let yeah. people open up storefronts for for things like bookmaking. So at least you can get a tolerance for what the state uh, can handle for gaming mm -hmm. and what have you. What do you think about the What do you think about the general argument that you know there's a, there's potentially a lot of social ills and people were a few people were bringing this up last night just you know issues of poverty issues of possible negative economic impacts of having something like this in the city. They I think they're 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 valid arguments, but in a way I think they kind of miss the point um, because even if you are even if we increase some of the social problems that we have in the city now, uh, what we're really doing is continuing to fail to acknowledge the social ills that we deal with in the city now. Um, you know, I, I think what people should focus on to some extent is that the reason Rush Street Gaming is interested in Worcester is because Worcester actually ha contains the demographics specific, primarily suited for a slots parlor. It actually makes sense for them. You know, I mean, if you look at our, even our existing lottery uh, expenditures in the city, you know, we're one of the, we spend a significant amount of our, our, our pocket money on, on, on gambling as is. Oh, really? Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's, just, it's $151 million, I believe it is, okay. uh, in 2012 that we spent on lottery products. Okay. We spend a lot of money on gambling in Worcester. There's, you know, 
this company isn't going to Wellesley or Natick because people in Wellesley or Natick wouldn't go to a slots parlor. They're not high ro- They're not high rollers. It's <laughs> well, know, they're made, they're not low rollers. And, we'll and say that. I think that's actually it. Sound it's sad, but that's the way to uh, to look at things. You know that they're, they're very slim percentage points, but there's a lot of data showing that. Uh, Gambling is higher in areas with lower income and lower levels of education. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it, any kind kind of gambling. Uh, you know, with the rare exception, maybe blackjack being the only exception. Uh, they're not ga- games of mathematics, right? Yeah. I mean, you're kind of acknowledging that you're bad at math simply from participating. Well, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of gamblers, I and mean, there's certainly plenty of people who are gamblers who are also good at math. I, I just have to wonder to what extent it's just like it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this sense of like, oh, if I could just get another thousand bucks, my life would be but see, that's, massively. I think better. that's what I'm getting at, though, is not to insult people, you know people's report card from fourth grade, but to point out that I mean, again, there's a lot of data indicating that Americans, many Americans, actually believe that the lottery or gambling is a solid form. Form of financial planning. Really? Yeah. I mean, the, what? The, well, yeah. I mean, this isn't. We, right. People have been studying this for years, right? I mean, that like there are there are lots of people who actually believe investing in the lottery or, or gambling is is in some way or shape or form in the on the long could term, make sense. It, it actually makes sense for them in terms of a get rich quick scheme. I don't and, know anything about America. <laughs> I'm often confused by my people as well. Yeah, but I, mean, I think that's the reality of it. In, in this company, it, you, in a way, they're, they're being smart. I mean, they want to come to Worcester because Worcester is their key demographic. Uh, people are at, you, you don't play slots because you, you, you uh, are going to win a lot of money. You play slots because you're lured into the uh, idea of winning a lot of money, and you don't actually win a lot of money. I want to look at this sign. Go to the sign. Isn't this a great-looking sign? Somebody There's a can, lot of white space. I think that vote could have been bigger. Is this that, whatever that is, Gotham or something, that Obama sign? Could be, yeah. That Obama font? Anyway, I just want to do, just for, so just for a moment, getting away from the ethical issues and economic development issues of slots, we're just going to do our like classic nitpicking uh, uh, wiener-type behavior on here for a moment and talk about this. I really think it's great. I love the red stripe. Like This is a sign. We complained in the past about people have these yard signs for politicians that you can't tell what they are a block away. I mean, it's got a red stripe. You know what it is. That's how the sign is set up. You don't even got to be able to read it to know this is an anti-slots person. I don't like the Worcester Deserves Better slogan because I feel like, you know, like, I don't know, that's just such a weird sentiment. And I honestly think that Worcester does not deserve better. I think we absolutely, I think we absolutely deserve a slot casino in Worcester, but I think the great thing is that we have the choice, we have the choice to choose better in this case, if if you're against, you know what I'm saying, we have an option in this case. What is the saying about you get exactly, precisely the government you deserve sort of ideal, that I mean, yeah, Yeah. it's not that we deserve any better, it's that we should probably work harder to get better. I don't think Worcester wants what Worcester deserves, honestly, or I don't think, I don't don't want Worcester to get what Worcester deserves, I want Worcester to keep on being a nice place. You know, I I know a number of people who are former former lifetime residents of Worcester uh, who uh, firmly believe that Worcester deserves is for a giant radioactive monster to come into town and stomp the entire city flat so it can be rebuilt from scratch. So yeah, no, I mean, depending on who you ask, what Worcester deserves uh, can be all over the map. And we might not actually want to travel that road. Anyway, I just want something like, you know, up with hope, down with slots or something on there. I want something fairly basic that doesn't, that doesn't raise these questions in me every time I see it. But that's just me being a nitpicking weirdo. Or just say no. Just yeah. Nancy Reagan. She <laughs> right knew what she back. was doing. Yeah, no, I mean, was smart. She wore red, also like the sign. But this, this is one of those issues too, though, that 
I'm, I'm often confused by the folks who say they don't really have a position on it or they want to hear what the, the, the what Rush Street has to offer. Um, well, I'm, one of these, I'm saying I'm one of these people, so ask me what you want to well, ask no, no. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I agree. I'm actually interested in seeing what comes out under the table, but I, I, I find it odd, like, the, the idea that someone could be agnostic on gaming as a whole or gambling as a whole. I'm sorry mm -hmm. to keep do, doing that. Yes. It just seems like one of those things that has been in society, a part of culture in general, for so long that either you know that you just have to know how you feel about it. it just seems like it's one of those long lists of things that uh, there's not a lot of room for gray area. You would have figured out at some point in your life what you thought about gambling as a social thing. That's what I mean. And, and it just and, and, and from there, I think the then the obvious direction to go is, do I want this in my community? And I think it's perfectly fair to say that uh, you know I, I can not actually have a problem with gambling as an institution. But I still don't want it in my community, and I don't know if that's—I mean—that's an obvious NIMBY argument, but I also hey. think it's a fair one to make too. I mean, I, if you get rid of all the NIMBY arguments, you'll have—you're getting rid of half of the arguments in America. And then, then Worcester would truly get what it deserves. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's so. I mean, I, I think that's where I'm, I'm most confused uh, by some of the participants in the larger conversation is the folks who are saying, "Let's just, just let's just wait to see what they have to say," and that's when I'll make up my mind. Like, well, no, you really can't be on the fence about gambling as an issue, and the perks themselves can never really outweigh uh, the end result. Like, I, Because I, the perks have a limited amount of time, and the gambling could potentially be having for a long time. And they have a limited impact on individuals as a whole, which I think is also the interesting part. You know, oh, it's, yeah, it's, right. It's that not like, like you or, or I <laughs> are going to see any direct benefit from uh, a slot parlor one way or the other. Sure. We might actually stumble in there drunk some night, throw in a, a nickel, and actually win 500 bucks. So maybe right. we might, might see some, re some random return in that regard. But we're, no one's going to cut us a check individually. And so that's why I just think it's odd where, you know, someone could think to themselves, well, some streetscape or a school or whatever the case may be, a new public safety class, that's going to be the thing that actually makes me a fan of gambling. It's like, well, no, either you're a gambler or you're not, or you want a gambling uh, facility in your community or you don't. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what to make of the uh, the fence sitters, if you will. I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, I guess we'll find out more about that. Um, I actually don't want to talk about panhandling because, brother, I'm tired of talking about this from this angle. Uh, let's talk about. I want, to, I want to talk about the city council a little bit more, can though. Can I ask you one quick question about panhandling? Go what for happened it. to spare change in Worcester? Because I, I you know, know I work in Boston, oh. and I'm amazed at how many people are selling spare change. It's not going on anymore. We probably should. We we taught, We had Bob Flanagan on yeah. here. It was a project he was working on, and I think it just didn't really work out very well. The Bob Bob is now apparently like the outreach worker to panhandlers in Worcester. Okay. I don't know that Bob is would ever be allowed to talk about this on the show. I would okay. love to talk to him about this on the show. I haven't seen him. Around. Next time I see Bob. Wandering around town, I'm totally going to ask him about that. I know nothing about the impact that Boston is seeing, uh, positive or negative, from having spare change being a component of uh, panhandling in the city. But it, it seems as though it's become more noticeable in the city, and uh, in, a, in a way that I think, in some regards, is um, viewed as less threatening by many people. You know, you get a, a guy yelling "spare change" next to a woman uh, selling the Herald. You know, they're just two people selling newspapers, and I don't think people read too deeply into. Um, what, what the, the, the rationale for selling the newspaper actually is. Well, here's what I want to ask you. So last time last time we interviewed the city councilors, <clears throat> last time we interviewed city council candidates, I should say, before the election, um, we asked some questions. And we, yes. we, sort of, we sort of developed a short list of issues and questions so that we could like ask people all the same questions and ask them pretty focused questions. Obviously, we asked them a couple of questions about the wire and how much they can bench and stuff like that. But mostly we were asking them issues, questions. Yes. And I guess we, it's around the time that we need to 
maybe get Gary Rosen back on the show. I don't know. We need, mm -hmm. to, we need to start talking to people about what do you what do you care about in the city of Worcester? Sure. Bes besides the slots, what is your initial brainstorm of like what are the what are the things to bring up? What are the five things to ask people? Uh, the, you know, the, the, there's a couple things that I think that are uh, kind of cooking in the city that are a little bit off the radar. There's a lot going on that we shouldn't go into detail because there, there really isn't details to go into, but regarding um, schools uh, in the city in terms of rehabilitation or construction. Okay. Um, that, that I think is, is a big one just in terms of infrastructure uh, for our public facilities. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's one of those things that, I mean, everyone just says, well, I'm in favor of it, but uh, I, I think we really need to figure out a bigger sort of jobs creation um, hmm. angle in the city. You know, I mean, it's, Worcester has, has, has historically been, even in good economies, we've still had a higher than average unemployment rate than okay. the rest of the Commonwealth. So even if the, the Commonwealth can consider itself to be fully recovered for, in an economic perspective, Worcester is still a little bit behind the curve. And there, there's going to be a, a way to fix that internally. Okay. Um, you you start, start looking at what communities like uh, closer to Boston are doing. Uh, it's a little bit more entrepreneurial in terms of drawing in uh, younger folks with new ideas as opposed to just targeting larger businesses that have a... Uh, a larger payday in terms of tax revenue mm -hmm. that really seems to have a massive impact uh, not just on the overall healthiness of the the, the economic um, climate in, in in those communities but also just the the general sense of culture in the communities as well too hmm. and I, I don't think that's something that's been discussed enough with elected officials is what, what are we who are we actually targeting when it comes to job creation uh, or employment in the city and are we doing enough to uh, foster a more entrepreneurial uh, sense of job creation hmm. What else am I missing? Jobs. I don't know. And I mean, jobs is easy, right? Everyone <laughs> wants jobs. I mean, that's just a, a natural byproduct of, of American society. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. But, you know, coming out of a, a relatively depressed uh, economy, uh, slowly at that, um, that's, that's, it, it seems like that's the perfect opportunity to be thinking uh, outside the box a bit, where, you know, things have already been shaken up for us unnaturally. Mm -hmm. uh, so why not figure out the best way to reinvent ourselves from that perspective? I sort of want to ask a question about the role of the city council. Like, this is something I think that my sh my sh my thinking on has gotten even more firm since the last time we talked to candidates. It's just sure. this sense that like the city council has this weird relate this weird thing going on in regards to like the getting things done in Worcester. You know, they they work through the city manager sure. mostly. They sort of sporadically get to the opportunity to pass restrictions on things like pocket knives. Yep. Um, and hot dogs. And hot dogs. And, like, they just have, like, a weird connection to anything. Mm -hmm. And I'm just interested to hear people's thoughts on that. I don't know the best way to phrase that and how to put that in a sense of, like... I think the easy question is just asking people how they, what they feel about the planning form of government. I mean, we, we've mm. been long... We've been, we're deep enough into this where people should... Like gambling, people should have an opinion on it. You know, yeah. ha have we actually improved as a community via the planning structure, or mm -hmm. is it time to actually start thinking? You know, maybe we should go back to a strong mayor system of government, and not even to necessarily uh, um, point fingers at you know better or worse uh, managers or management styles or what have you, but just the form of government in terms of the the pace of change within the city. I think I would like to maybe ask them a question, like instead, rather than asking about charter change, which is what it would take to get, sure. you know, to, to have a city that was not run by a hired executive, but run by an elected executive, and which is a whole other kettle of fish that we've talked about on the show many times, mm -hmm. just ask them a question like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like the, I almost feel like a high, some sort of high school 
newspaper kid asking these questions like how would you get things done as a city councilor or like what do you think about the challenges of affecting change in a plan e form maybe that's the way what do you think about the challenges of affecting change in the plan e form of government yeah, no, I mean, that seems like a, a fair way to start the conversation because, yeah, I mean, it, when, when you walk do over get, this way, it's sure. quieter. Whenever you get into, you said quieter, ah. dump truck comes down the street. Um, I mean, whenever you, you whenever you do go down that road, you're ultimately going to enter into a conversation about charter change. Hold on, let's just look at the dump truck for a second. You're going to okay. end up at, at a, a conversation about charter change eventually, and that is always a contentious conversation that rarely results in uh, friends being made. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's probably a, a dangerous road to travel, if you will. But um, but the conversation at, uh, on a, a more organic level, I think, makes sense that, you know, w what is the role of the council here? I mean, there's uh, you put enough lawyers in a room and I think you get just about any interpretation from a document mm. like a city charter. And yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of lawyers in the city who would agree that the council probably has powers that they don't necessarily uh, work with or through to their full extent. They're like that guy in Greatest American Hero. He was always <laughs> discovering new powers. He always <laughs> had new powers coming up. But it, no, and I mean, it's, you can't go completely off the reservation with that. But again, I mean, it, it, the structure, I think, allows for a certain degree of leniency in terms of uh, that relationship between the council and the manager. Um, and to ensure that both sides of that relationship are uh, effective, um, you probably do need a, a, a slightly more liberal re reading of the charter than we have historically stuck to. Brendan, thank you for being on the show. Another thoughtful and well-considered show. And a nice walk. I need Next week it's not going to be that way. No. I guarantee you. <laughs> we'll ruin it. Brendan Melican, Michael Benedetti, the Athletic Facilities of Clark University in Worcester, Massachusetts. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.